0: Hello and welcome to Tales from Mysteria Lane, the podcast where we give you a fair view of all things Desperate Housewives. We're the boyfriends. I'm Billy Ray. And I'm Joel. And today we're going to be reviewing Season 4, Episode 5, Art Isn't Easy. Today I will be doing the overview of the episode and Joel is going to be giving us some trivia, fun facts. If you've been here before, you know all this.
1: So Joel, what have you got for us today? Uh, So first of all, I thought when I saw the title of Art Isn't Easy that we would be getting the return of Art no such luck but we did not get the return of art which is probably a good thing but um so the episode aired on the 28th of october 2007 and it was written by jason genzel and directed by david grossman the episode title art isn't easy is taken from the song putting it together from steven sondheim's musical sunday in the park with george and unfortunately no matter how hard i tried i couldn't actually find the international titles Really? They were nowhere. This is the first time it's ever happened for me. That's interesting. Uh, I could technically have just gone into like Google Translate and typed in art isn't easy and then translated it to French and then translated that French back into English to see what it would have came out as. (laughs) But that was guy, girls, guys and girls. That was far too much work.
0: French and Canadian,
1: art is easy. Uh, Hebrew, art ain't easy. (laughs) (laughs) So there is a scene in this episode where Brie locks Phyllis in a cupboard in order to figure out what to do, which was cut as the writers felt it really wasn't needed. Yeah, it would have been funny, though. It would have been. I did try to find it online very briefly, but didn't get any luck with that. Uh, so, Danielle states in this episode that she will be turning 18 the coming weekend. Now, Danielle was stated to have turned 17 one month prior to the season two episode, No One Is Alone, and season two ended two episodes after this, with Mike being run over and put into a coma. In the season three episode, What Would We Do Without You?, Susan states that it's been one year since Mike was run over, meaning that Danielle should be closer to turning 19 and not 18. Oh,
0: so the birthday continuity is really off this season. Yeah. I mean, I had it with Edie. These are the ED.
1: Yeah. Actually, because we watched the film Single All The Way last night, and so I ended up reading about Jennifer Coolidge just to see where she was from and doing stuff. And Jennifer Coolidge lost out on the role of Lynette to Felicity Huffman. Now, that would have been a whole nother show. <laughs> it really would have been. <laughs> um, obviously, I... Don't know if that was in some of our season one trivia. I don't remember no. that far back. <laughs> oh, no, it was not. I think um, we would remember that. But, <laughs> yeah, that's what, according to IMDB, anyway, uh, Jennifer Coolidge lost out on the role of Lynette to Felicity Huffman. That's hilarious. That hey, girls, I'll be my booth. Right? Hi, guys. <laughs> and, finally, I did a little bit of um, basic, quick research into homeowners associations. Oh, okay. Go because... because the episode centres very much around homeowners associations, and we don't really have them in the uk very much we very much have um management companies or managing agents which manage flat buildings or locations we don't know them as home ownership Sounds like a community watch or something in in these shows. But it doesn't actually sound too different. And from my very quick research, it seems like Desperate Housewives have done the Desperate Housewives thing and taken the concept of a homeowners association and made it really dramatic. (laughs) Well, yeah, because it's about people trying to get a bit of a power trip. Exactly. So uh, there are many residential communities that have homeowners associations um, and the structure to help maintain sort of clean and cohesive atmospheres within neighborhoods and buildings. Uh, the major power of the Homeowners Association is the ability to compel property owners to pay a share of common expenses for the overall maintenance of the association, the amenities, uh, and so on. Um, and then they expenses sort of generally arise from the operation and maintenance of common properties that'd be like pools and parks and oh and I, bet, like I bet that. you get some corrupt ones you do but, you do oh
0: look at george over there the president of the homeowners association how did he afford
1: that new extension i wonder yeah there are some um well there, there have been cases where they've been taken to court because of george's extension yeah yeah <laughs> benefits of homeowners associate or Benefits to homeowners, really, may include maintenance and management services, provisions of recreational amenities such as pools and parks, insurance coverage, enforcement of community appearance standards which may lead to higher property values and the opportunity for members to plan development in accordance with community values. Mm. But there are some disadvantages to, you know, the homeowners which includes sort of financial, the fees for homeowners associations because you have to pay to be in one, fines, the cost of maintaining appearance standards, restrictions on property use and personal or autonomy, and the potential for mismanagement, including the possibility of arbitrary or heavy-handed enforcement of rules. That's the thing I don't like about it. It's very much what
0: Lynette's going through in this case. It's like, this is my home. I've already bought it. I live here. Why can't I have a
1: treehouse if I want one? Yeah, but that's all my trivia.
0: Okay, let's get started then. So previously, Gabby tried to get back with John Rowland. So John Rowland's coming back. We know John Rowland
1: is coming back.
0: Lynette had a chemo party. Catherine thought Adam was going to cheat on her again. Or
1: she brought up that he may have had some history. Yeah. More yeah. specifically. We're, we're the, jumping show, the, the show's trying to make you think. Yeah, we're jumping to the conclusion that he has cheated on her in Chicago. But it's, it's basically what's being pushed on us. Bree's pregnancy secret
0: got found out by Phyllis. And Susan made a bad first impression with Bob and Lee. Yeah, the gays aren't pleased with Susan currently. Mm. So we start the episode... Some workmen come onto the lane and build Bob and Lee's sculpture in in the front yard and all of the women hate it. Mm. It's this big metal contraption sculpture thing. Yeah,
1: it's a thing. Yeah. It's a metal thing. Yeah, it doesn't look like anything. No. It looks like leaves are coming off a branch, but it's all metal and silver and it doesn't really look like anything. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't look like a thing, (laughs) doesn't it? It's just a thing. It's just
0: a thing. (laughs) Some think it's their lawn and so they have no say. Karen, but others, Catherine and Bree, think they should be able to take it down as it's their collective, their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Bob and Lee come out, and Karen makes it quite obvious that they will hate the sculpture. Yeah, <laughs> which offends them. But Susan tries really hard to be liked, and she pretends that she doesn't mind it. And she
1: says that art is subjective, which is true. I'm. I don't really think. I don't really think Susan pretends that she doesn't like it. Susan is an art. Doesn't mind it. Yeah, like Susan is an art person probably has more of a general understanding of art so she can tolerate it at least but given the history yeah, the she is episode, also trying very hard just trying
0: really hard to get on bob and lee's good books in the end bob hopes that le- the ladies will respect their decision to decorate their lawn as they see fit before doing a walk-off mm. obviously bob hasn't been here long enough to know that that ain't a thing
1: no and it's it's bob and lee's right it's as you said earlier you know it's bob and lee's right to put whatever they want in their front lawn Mm. it's their front lawn they own the property they purchased it but at the same time they could move it into their back garden but then why should they exactly until we find out more about the sculpture yeah and they also say they flew to sweden or switzerland or wherever they said they went to holland or wherever and paid twenty four thousand dollars for that
0: this is the thing about bob and lee bob paid how much for that suit in the last episode yeah they spend so much money unnecessarily yeah and, and it, it's your money, you can do what you want. But seriously, so much money for this metal thing. Yeah, and I'm all
1: for art. Like, I, I love art. I love photo, photos. I'm not so huge on sculptures. um. But I love artwork, should I say. And I would pay a lot for a decent piece of artwork if mm. I saw it and felt that it was worth the money. But $24,000 for that. Yeah, the metal thing. The metal sort of thing that's uh, there. Like, uh, I love art. It invokes... Discussion and it is so subjective, you know. Invoke discussion with the girls, but no discussion is worth twenty four thousand dollars. <laughs> <Like>, I'm sorry. <laughs> On a personal level, for me as well, of taste, I don't think I want anyone
0: to have anything metal in their front yard. No, just because the sun. Oh God, yeah. Why do you think people don't have metal fences? It's because so that people that are sitting in their front room don't have to have the glare of sunlight shining off every second of the day.
1: Yeah, and it could l- you imagine? <laughs> it looked cheap. Yeah. No offence to whoever made that sculpture, I'm hoping that it was made by the cast and crew, or the, the crew, the set designers, and that wasn't a legitimate sculpture in real life, because it's not good. No, it's not great. There's much better things you could, you could have in your front garden. We then cut to the partial
0: title sequence, and we roll on to Susan, and as if the whole sculpture situation wasn't bad enough, the gays then turn a knob, and it turns out that the big metal eyesore is actually a very loud water fountain, which doesn't thrill Susan and Mike at 6am. Now don't get me wrong, everyone is entitled to put what they want on their lawns, metal eyesores aside, but you ha-
1: maybe about, consider your neighbours. It's about respect right? as well. Like, I know they didn't respect you with their immediate sort of, you have to get rid of that, that's hideous. Um, kind of thing but also you've purchased this knowing it's a fountain clearly that's not a shock to you two um and it's it's about maintaining a level of respect to your neighbors especially when everyone's already
0: basically said oh we don't like it and then you're like i'm just gonna Rub some sort into the wound then. Yeah. Bob and Lee haven't had the best intro. In they really haven't. And I mean, Bob's been mostly all right. He's been a bit quiet in the background. Lee's been
1: very rude. Yeah. Oh. But yeah. now they are turning on this loud fountain at 6am. And uh, yeah, you say Lee's been very rude and it's about to get worse. Yeah. But um, the sound of water is relaxing. I love the sound of water. It's my favourite. But water slapping on metal is not a relaxing sound. Nope. Like, at 6am, if I wake up and hear a thunderstorm and I hear a you know, heavy rain, that doesn't bother me. It'll send me back to sleep in a couple of minutes.
0: But from working in a carpet store, which was basically a big metal building, it's loud. Yeah, it's loud. It's when really it's, loud. When it
1: slaps on metal, it is loud. And they even have to yell over it when it's switched on. Like they're there like, what? What? I can't hear you. And so just like, turn off the fucking fountain. <laughs> Susan tries to get them to move it into the backyard due to
0: the noise, but Lee says it blocks out all of the noise from Susan's house, (laughs) including her shower singing, which apparently is terrible. And they end the scene saying no to moving the
1: sculpture and turn it on to annoy Susan. He's just, it's... Turn it back on because they turned it off. Yeah, they turned it off to talk. Um, It's just Lee is being such a petty little bitch. And it's got to the point where already we're only on episode two and I don't find it endearing.
0: I also do feel a bit for Bob and Lee, though, having to live next door to Susan with her shower singing.
1: So, like, he's like, oh, you struggling to get into your trousers, you struggling to do yoga, you struggling to sing. And I'm just like, look, just... Did we have to bring the yoga into it? Yeah. So rude. Like, just, it's... You can switch on music or if if her singing's bothering you, or you can go across the road and just be like, do you mind singing a little bit quieter? Or I'm trying to do some work. Or what have you. But don't therefore go out and do this to piss off her and her husband because she's doing something to irritate you that you haven't brought to her attention. Mm,
0: It's like watching Bad Neighbours. Yeah,
1: so it's just, yeah, I don't find this endearing from Lee. I find it really childish. Yeah, boo Lee, boo. Yeah, badly. Lynette goes outside to find the kids playing in the treehouse and she
0: takes a phone call from her doctor. The kids then tell her that she isn't allowed to talk about doctors or being sick in the treehouse, even when it's good news. This new kid vote gives Lynette pause.
1: Mm, even the kids have their own little association going on in this. Yeah, episode. we voted. You're not allowed. Right? So I love, they have such a cool tree house. Yeah. It was really bright and considering it's a tree house, I think this is probably one of the first times we've ever seen it. I don't remember ever seeing this treehouse. Neither do I. <laughs> to be honest. But I think it's so cool. and I wish I had a treehouse like that as a kid. I always wanted a treehouse from watching The Simpsons. Yeah, me too. And instead, all I had was like a tree just up the road from my house, where I just used to climb it and sit on one of the giant branches. Yeah, <laughs> but we live in England. We don't have trees in our back gardens. No, we really don't. Not really. Not in like not in the not in the same house areas that we live in, and not the same kind of
0: trees that you guys have over in the US. Exactly. But the kids making this decision that there's no sickness talk or doctors talk allowed in the treehouse gives our pause, mm. and. It's quite a look that she gives.
1: Yeah. You can tell that she's thinking about things. I think it's nice, though, that they've done that, that they've got an area where they can go to get away from all of the adult talk and and fear that might be in the household at the moment. Even if it's unintentional feelings of fear, there's still fear going around with the kids and with the mum and, you know, with Tom and Lynette, and there's going to be fear all around at the moment. So it's nice that they've got a little place to go to get away from that and it might be the first time the nets actually thought about it as well yeah like oh they have a place without that cool this scene really did show that they've wasted kayla this season though right she was just sat there she has one line where she's just like we voted, shut up. (laughs) pretty much, right? She's just waiting for Lynette to die. (laughs) Maybe. We're like shitting on Kayla because she's not doing anything to like get at Lynette while she's at her weakest. Maybe this is Kayla's way of getting at Lynette. She's turned the kids against the cancer. She's like, yeah, we'll make Lynette feel bad because we'll be there like, we'll never talk about it. Maybe. And so then that that makes Lynette go inside her own head and start defeating herself. Oh, Kayla's playing Mm. the slow game. Devious. (laughs) So... Brie, Orson, and Andrew are in the kitchen
0: baking all together by the look of it. Cute, which is really cute. Random. I know, it's really random, but it's really cute. I mean, if they are all baking together, it's nice that Andrew wants to spend more time with his mum.
1: hmm
0: When Brie gets a call from the convent and has a go at the reverend mother for letting Phyllis take Danielle away. I should sue your irresponsible ass off. <laughs> she tries to get through to Phyllis, but she doesn't answer as she's playing a
1: zombie killing game with Danielle. It it, Resident Evil, Call of it, Duty Zombies. Phyllis is me playing computer games now. Now, how do I shoot the zombie in the right? head? <laughs> like, I've, I've, I'm 29 years old and all of a sudden someone passes me a new game and I'm like, what do I do with this? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Are you are alright at Resident Evil. Yeah, I got there eventually. And maybe they were playing that. <laughs> Surely Phyllis can't just rock up and be like, she's my granddaughter, I want her. And then the nuns are just like, okay, sure, take her. I guess it depends on Danielle's behaviour. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're probably just really fed up and they want her gone. Yeah. they like, oh, take the miserable bitch. Get her out of here. She's been incessant ever since her mum told her she was going to give her the DVD player and then never came with it. (laughs) Yeah. The nun's like, I can't really let you take her because you're not her mum. Unless, of
0: course, you just told me you were her (laughs) mum. Yeah. (laughs) So Carlos is heading out to play golf
1: and him and his friends have one rule. No plaid and no women. No plaid? You're playing golf? What are you doing? That would be, I would literally rock up to play golf in all plaid. Everything I wear. I'm like, hi guys, ready, where's the first hole? You just see like five different breeze in that horrible diamond friggin' jumper. Ugh, I'm, I'm golf, but make it fashion.
0: But before he leaves, Edie gives him a present and we have a clip. And to think, I got you a gift. Hey, golf balls. They're monogrammed. Wait, these are your initials. Exactly. While you're out there playing, I want everyone to know who your balls belong to.
1: And suddenly he's not so happy with his present anymore. Mm, I do love Edie for that, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what better way <laughs> to make it known that Edie's not happy with you? It is such an easy thing to do. Yeah. Especially when she's just found
0: out about the crab cakes.
1: Yeah. It's also a very... Pardon me, because I've been watching The Simpsons on repeat from, like, season one. And it's also a very Homer thing to do. Do you remember that episode where Homer gave Marge the bowling ball for her birthday? And it had it monogrammed with Homer's name on it. Yeah, and it was sized for his fingers. She's like, it's got
0: your name on it! (laughs) So back to this episode, Gabby has a bunch of gardeners doing some stuff, which is funny as John Rowland is obviously going to be playing a part in this episode. Yeah, and how she's got all of these kids to do her yard work. Yeah, and if she sleeps with any of these ones, it really is a crime.
1: I did very, at least she won't sleep with any of
0: these. Right. <laughs> because they're like really young guys. Mm. When Carlos calls and they arrange for their next hookup, she then notices a van parked out front with a guy spying on her. She calls Carlos and says that she thinks he was hired by Victor, but that some guy in a van eating donuts isn't going to stop them. Mm little does she know that this is actually edie's bug
1: i was about to say we all know this is edie right this is not the first time she's hired a private investigator mm.
0: she then decides to pay the kids to give her a lift
1: on their bikes while she wears a baggy polo top and a cap queen of disguises yeah like this cable guy is an idiot none of these kids would wear jeans that skinny <laughs> right gabby's come out in like the skinniest skinny jeans and she's like come on guys let's go yeah woo. oh how many other disguises does she have <laughs> Amazing. But she does get the best outfit award for that stripy shirt and jean combo. Yeah. This <laughs> is why her, her wardrobe is so big. A core yeah. of it's probably disguises. Oh, yeah. Mm. And outfits for the bedroom yeah. that she established the last episode.
0: Gabby gets to the hotel for her hookup and runs into John
1: Rowland and his
0: fiance. And John's looking pretty good. John's looking real good. Yeah. John is hot. And uh, his fiance, who we have seen in season three. Was it the- I think it was three, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. So they say they're awkward hellos, and it turns out that her dad, the fiance's dad, goes hunting with Victor, but apparently John wants no involvement in that. No. Although I think it adds, an, I think it's just like a little subtle layer of fear to add on to that. Yeah. Like, like oh, yeah, you're known here now. I mean, John, John Rowland's fiance's dad mm. does hunt him, yeah. so he could kill her. <laughs> yeah. Victor could kill her. Um, they ask why Gabby's here, and she pretends that she's here for a spa weekend, and she eventually gets away and finds Carlos waiting for her. He asks who they were, because I think he only saw the back of them. Yeah. Oh, just some friends and
1: blah, blah, blah. Why lie to Carlos, though? Like, it's over now. That's ancient history. Maybe the habit. Maybe. Like, the the habit of having to lie about John Rowland. She probably, to be fair, she probably didn't want to turn Carlos off. She's like, we're here on a nice weekend together. We're here to get, you know, I'm here to get pounded by you, silly, for the next two days. Mm. And if I mention the guy who I cheated on you with, it's probably not going to work.
0: Right. Oh, John (laughs) Rowland. It was John Rowland. And he looked good. Yeah. Brie and Orson show up to Phyllis's to take back Danielle, who tells them that she's decided to stay here and have her baby here. She tells her that she doesn't want her baby raised by a cold and emotionless woman like Brie, who <laughs> wonders where Danielle learned that phrase from looking at Phyllis. Like I can't think of it myself. But this annoys Danielle. Even more, who says that she can make up her own insults before oh, we leaving to go to the shops. We should have got a clip here. Oh, uh, yeah. This is a good scene.
1: But we didn't. Yeah. We should. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Sorry, we should Yeah, we should have got the little clip where she's like, um, well, you're not going to emasculate me. <laughs> you don't even know what that means, you
0: petulant sock puppet. It's just very funny, this whole thing of. Brie having fights with people with
1: Danielle in the middle thinking that she's part of it, but she's not part of it. Yeah, she's really not. Danielle has... She's so easily manipulated. Yeah, sorry girl. She really likes to think she's the centre of attention, but Danielle, you are literally the afterthought. Yeah, this isn't about you, Danielle. No. This is only because you're carrying that baby. And who really wants to be here? Like, I would love to go to that old person's home right now and do nothing but lounge by the pool and play mahjong. That's great. That sounds so relaxing and so fun and I'd never have to work a day in my life. But for a 17... off 18 year old girl this isn't a fun place to be yeah i kind of forgot to mention that because phyllis is living in like an old people's community home yeah so she's never going to meet anybody her own age like there's going to be no one her own age around except for the people that are coming to visit um the friends that she does make will probably drop dead within the next few days and it will just be lonely and depressing
0: yeah and you're gonna have a lot of old people judging your parenting
1: yeah and you're gonna have a lot of old men checking you out yeah leering yeah which she already got in this scene <laughs> yeah needless to say she doesn't think things through she only no. thinks of the now she thinks that she's very much a present day
0: thinker she she thinks of the now she wants an easy life mm. bob and lee go over to lynette to convince her to take their side over karen's lynette is sure that karen won't come for her when it comes to the her front lawn but bob and lee are pretty sure that eventually Catherine may come for lynette's Benson and gnomes and treehouse
1: are you comparing Catherine to a Nazi?
0: Yeah, we get that famous poem, I didn't speak up when blah, 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 and... Yeah, it's, and, um... And then they came first for me. They,
1: first they came for this, and I did not speak up because I wasn't this, and then they came for that, and, and I then didn't they came speak for up. And me, and
0: there was no one left to speak up. Yeah. Yeah, that whole thing. And I think this gives Lynette pause
1: as well. He does have a very good point. Right? What makes you think that Catherine's not going to come for you at the end? First they came for the fountain, and I did not speak up because I had no fountain. Are you comparing Catherine to a Nazi? <laughs> If the knee-high leather boot fits. Right.
0: <laughs> if the two inch heel fits <laughs> No offense to women that wear two inch heels. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> right shade. The net then goes over to Catherine's where they're having their little meeting about the fountain, the little house association thing. Yeah.
1: Whatever it's called. Homeowners Association.
0: And basically everyone agrees that they want it gone. Except for is it Ida Greenberg who thinks that this is about trying to kick the gays off the lane?
1: Yeah, can
0: it be both? Can fuck be both? you,
1: fuck you, Ida, literally the worst person on the lane. Susan's just
0: sitting there like, Ida, again. This isn't about them being gay. It's about the fountain. <laughs> We've
1: got to show those gays we mean business. <laughs> can it be about both? <laughs> no, Ida, no. Literally coming to us, for us, like coming for us for no good reason.
0: Lynette wants to know that she'll leave her kids' treehouse alone. But Catherine says that if she has to make an exception for her, then she'll have to make an exception for everyone. Mm. So Lynette decides in such a Lynette move to run for president of the Homeowners Association against Catherine.
1: Hashtag Team Lynette. Right? Catherine can take that fountain and stick it up her ass. Oh, I'm 100% on Lynette's side, obviously. It's like, oh, so next week is the grand finale. What team will you be on? <laughs> hashtag Team Catherine or hashtag Team Lynette? Oh, Team Lynette. It's blown up all over the world. <laughs> yeah. So
0: this decision doesn't go down well with Tom, who thinks that it's too much stressful in it at this present time. Lynette insists that this is all about personal freedom but Tom thinks that this is just about bringing down Catherine, like bring her down a peg, and tells her to fight the tumour instead. But Lynette responds by saying that a
1: tumour is a tumour whether it's in your head or across the street. I mean this is about Lynette wanting to take on Catherine. This isn't about personal freedom. Yeah this is about her wanting to bring her down a peg. Yeah. But this isn't about personal freedom because then she would have stuck up for Bob and Lee. Exactly. So it is all about wanting to take on Catherine but in Lynette's defence if Catherine wasn't behaving like this then she wouldn't need to take her on.
0: Exactly, but she's being a little bit of a power-hungry, annoying do a in
1: in-your-face, one of those neighbours. Yeah. I mean, considering that she's moved to the lane with a massive secret and she's trying to keep quiet, she's really making every effort to have all eyes on her.
0: Yeah, have you... she doesn't seem to understand that you need to lay low in these situations. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. Oh well. Gabby and Carlos are in the bedroom and they're about to get to the hooking part of hooking up when John Rowland knocks on the door. Gabby convinces Carlos to hide and John tells Gabby that he's ready for the affair to begin and starts trying to kiss her. Carlos hides in the closet, by the way, because John's
1: fiancé's dad hunts with Victor. Yeah. So you don't want that getting out. No. And Gabby wanting to be beautiful and feminine, but ordering chili cheese fries is so relatable. So relatable. At the beginning of the scene where she's like, I want to be beautiful and feminine. Ooh, my chili cheese fries!
0: (laughs) Gabby is telling John that she doesn't want the affair, and John's awkwardly talking about how much of a pig Carlos was. While he stands in the closet listening to the whole thing. Yeah, it doesn't look good on Carlos. Nope. Or Gabby. No fairness. He also brings up how Gabby said she'd faked an orgasm just to get him off of her, while John would hide in the closet.
1: (laughs) Mm.
0: Oh, how the turntables!
1: I imagine this whole scene was a huge turn off for Carlos. Mm. Like he's in the closet. He's completely lost his word now. Like it's it's he's losing altitude there. She eventually gets rid of John, and Carlos comes out of the closet with
0: a bit of a hurt ego, but I have to say, he looks really hot. Who? Carlos. Oh, okay. He came out, and he was all steaming and angry and topless. Anyway, she tries to convince him that John didn't do anything that Carlos isn't doing to Victor right now, and Carlos leaves in a mood. I mean, she's not wrong. No one wants to hear that you faked an orgasm. No, no one wants to hear that. But back in the day, he was very selfish, and he was out all the time. Yeah, yeah. And he probably felt like he didn't have time to help her find an or- have an orgasm.
1: But did he really... Did she really fake an orgasm? Is that... Or was she just propping up John? Yeah, exactly. Like, which is the truth? Did she have an orgasm, but she didn't tell John to make him feel better? Or did she not have an orgasm? Well, when he brought it up, she didn't exactly deny it. But mm. well, she's not going to deny it. She didn't deny that she hadn't had the orgasm, I mean. Well, yeah, she's not going to, cause she's got Carlos on one side who believes that she's had an orgasm, and she's got John on the other no, side John's who believes- No, John's gone. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, And he asked about the orgasm thing, and she didn't say, of course she gave me an orgasm.
0: I was just saying it to John. Oh, actually. Okay, she didn't yeah. say that, did she? No, that's true, that's true. So, it looks like she begged it. Yeah. <laughs> and then got it somewhere else. So, Lynette asks Susan for her vote, but Susan says that she's already told Catherine that she'd vote for her, saying that she isn't pro-Catherine, she's just anti-Fountain. Ooh. Lynette tries to convince her that Catherine wants to get rid of her kid's tree house and how much the treehouse means to her and her family. But Susan just wants her sleep back and she wants Mike to have his sleep back. And she's too tired to come
1: up with any good comebacks. Why don't you get treehouse plugs?
0: That doesn't even make sense. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm too tired to come up with comebacks. Yeah, tired people aren't witty. I mean, I, I get it to a certain extent. You know, she's putting her husband first and you know, making sure that they get sleep. But at the same time compromise yeah vote for me i won't make them get rid of the fountain but i'll make them move it yeah we'll hide the knob that turns it on well it's not a knob it's a remote control oh shit <laughs> <laughs> because when susan asked them at the beginning to turn it off like bob takes the remote control out of his pocket and is like beat all right mm. a remote control fountain oh dear Lynette and Catherine are going around trying to
0: get votes, saying whatever anyone wants to hear, get a funny little montage. Lynette even gets her twins on it as they rub Karen's feet to try and get her vote as well. Mm. It just goes to show what kinds
1: of things you have to do to get a vote around here. It's a little, um, there's a little, like, shady comment from Catherine as well, when she's walking down the street past Lynette with of cookies, and Lynette's like, cookies, nice touch, and Catherine's like, ditto on the scarf. Yeah. I'm like, I have cancer. Yeah, that like, was so rude. <laughs> like, what would you rather me just walk around bald? It's cold right? Like, an un- unnecessary comment. Catherine is such a, whichever the bad one is, Republican, Democrat, I always forget. Um, Republican. Is it Republican? I think. Like, just promising to make people trim bushes and hang Christmas lights when they don't even celebrate it. So, yeah, a conservative as yeah. well. Uh, yeah, pretty much. So Bree Orson and Andrew are having dinner, and Bree
0: thinks that the parental instinct is just too strong for Danielle, and that's why she can't get her back. But Andrew thinks it isn't like that, and Danielle is just looking out for herself, wanting the life that Phyllis is offering over what Brie is. And he convinces her that if she wants the baby, she's going to have to outbid grandma. Yeah, I mean, the fact that Brie didn't even register this is just ridiculous. But that's what you have Andrew here for. He's obviously got all of the necessary weapons that a woman needs to fight
1: in this world, as we've said in a previous episode. Yeah. He's got that little gay cunning and wit. I mean, it's obvious Danielle doesn't give a shit about the baby and she only walked out of the convent. And now she's out the convent, she'll probably just eat the baby as soon as it's um, out there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Andrew is very perceptive. He is definitely his mother's son. Yeah. Although sometimes Bree doesn't know his things and you just have to wonder if she is seeing too much good in her kids. Mm. <laughs> when she's like, oh, it's just the parental instinct is too strong. Oh, Brie, honey.
1: Yeah, probably. And I, th- I think she likes to be hopeful.
0: Mm. But... Delusion. Yeah. Delusionally hopeful. Carlos goes over to John and tells him that he forgives him for sleeping with Gabby. John tells Carlos that he didn't even- he didn't just sleep with her, he fell in love with her, and Carlos forgives him for that too. Although he does look a little bit annoyed by it. This random occurrence is confusing to John, and he asks if he still talks to Gabby as he wants to know if she's still happy, which Carlos says, yes, she is. And John says, good
1: for her. Oh, John is so bitter. Yeah, he is a little bitter. That Gabby is happy, he so wanted Carlos to say she's miserable. I think he does want her to be happy. But I think it's hard to hear still. It's very big of Carlos. Yeah. Now nice character development. The shoe is on the other foot. Yeah, yeah. It's taken him down a bit of a peg, it's made him realise that any person can make this kind of error in judgment or what have you. So it's um forgiveness is is a nice little bit of development for him. It is. It's about bloody
0: time. Mm. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just joking. We've had character development with Carlos. It's nice to see. Have we? Probably. We're at the association voting thing now, and Catherine and Lynette both get 14 votes, so it's a tie. Mm. Well, they think it's a tie, until Edie <laughs> speaks up and points out that Susan voted twice. Oh, for fuck's sake, Susan. If you're going to vote twice, at least it's it subtly. And obviously, Edie is doing the right thing here and pointing it out so that we can get this friggin' thing out of the way, but mm. I, I'm going to have to play it. Edie says.
1: <laughs> because I think she really just wanted to embarrass Susan a bit as well. Why is that like the only sting we play? We haven't played that in ages. We played it like last week or the week before. Did we? Yeah, that's the only sting we play. I don't know. We've got we, like 50 stings and we play that one on repeat and that's it. We could have played the hot men sting
0: when Carlos was all topless earlier
1: and we, I completely forgot.
0: We could have. Karen tells her that she only gets one vote. You only get one vote, sweetie. <laughs> and after a moment of contemplation and also looking at the fountain in the yard, she votes for Catherine. Mm. Judas. Yeah, right. So Catherine is the new president of the Homeowners Association and she tells Bob and Lee and some other people that she'll be in touch with them about their various infractions. The power is already going to her head. Yeah. Before turning to Lynette and saying, oh, and you
1: too, Lynette. This is just not a good episode for Ida. She's been very homophobic. mm Even earlier when Lee was like, oh, I just want to remind you that a vote for Catherine is a vote for fascism. And then I was just like, what is it with you gays and fashion? And the scene ends with Lynette
0: giving Susan a pretty pissed off look and Adam looking a bit worried about how things have turned out. Yeah. He's like, oh my God, has my wife turned into a monster?
1: Your wife has turned into a monster,
0: Adam. Yeah. The power just instantly went to her head. And I kind of think Lynette did this because she was worried about the treehouse, but I wonder if Catherine ever would have gone for the treehouse anyway. Because obviously there's a chance that maybe she wouldn't have.
1: Yeah, I don't know if Catherine now, would have gone
0: for the treehouse until Lynette mentioned it. Yeah, but now she's run against her, so she's obviously gonna go for the treehouse. Yeah,
1: because she's a petty bitch. Mm.
0: <laughs> so yeah, Catherine is the the Cersei Lannister of this show right now. I'll yeah. tell you that. <laughs> what is it with you gays and Game of Thrones? <laughs> <laughs> we love the Queens. <laughs> Bree and Orson are having iced tea in the old people's home with Danielle and they start trying to convince her to come back to their side. It isn't too hard though as they decide to let her go to the party school that she wants to go to, although apparently it's because they have a great curriculum,
1: and she now has a new convertible. they bought her a bloody car right like danielle was so easily manipulated with all of this all it took was for brie to be like you know don't don't upset grandma you know she's she's got her heart's not what it used to be you're gonna go to your perfect college of your dreams and we've given you a car and danielle's like cool all grandma was giving you was a scooter yeah a moped a moped a a two-wheeled motorized vehicle without a helmet right this car has seatbelts I mean, the helmet might have been in the seat, because you can lift up the seats of the scooters, can't you? Can you? Yeah. That's so cool. And that's where you put, like, bags and stuff inside
0: the seat. I didn't know that. That's very cool. Also, the old people's home is full of mouldy oldies, walking yeah. around and doing water sports, and in the end, it isn't a tough decision for Danielle, who decides to go to the school and let Brie and Orson take care of the baby.
1: They really have given Danielle everything she ever wanted, and it didn't seem so bad, so why Brie refused it in the first place?
0: Well, it's a party school, and the thought of Danielle on the road is terrifying. Mm. But the story of Brie in this episode is not over yet. No. So Catherine goes to have a drink with Adam to, you know, raise the glass in cheers to her, but something's wrong. Adam tells her that she needs to think about what she's doing, as ever since she's moved back to the neighborhood, she's just an unhappy woman who needs to control everything. Catherine takes this opportunity to bring up what Adam did did in Chicago. God, talk about beating a dead horse lady. Right.
1: Like, Catherine, whatever he did in Chicago, you can't just keep throwing it in his face every time he dishes reality on you. Right. It's very unbecoming, Catherine. But Adam responds saying that if they learn anything
0: from that, it's that when the chips are down, you need friends. Ominous. Yeah. What
1: the hell happened in Chicago? I've got no idea. But Catherine, it's really irritating that you just keep bringing it up.
0: Yeah, it's like, oh, I know how I'm going to win every single fight that I'm losing. Yeah, right. (laughs) now, Because whenever she brings it up, I'm like... So you brought up Chicago because you were losing? Yes. Is that why? You only ever bring it up when you're losing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But what the hell happened in Chicago?
1: Yeah. Ominous. Who knows? We'll find, to be fair, we find out in a few episodes.
0: He's got a bloody point, though. When the chips are down, it's good to have friends. Mm. And you're going to lose all your friends if you start getting rid of all their shit.
1: I don't really think she had any. Susan was really the only friend she had.
0: Yeah, that's true. But that's the thing. Make friends. Yeah. Well, you could have had friends. It was a, a nice start, well, other than
1: with Bree. It really wasn't a nice start.
0: Well, she, she didn't pee off Gabby or Lynette.
1: No, but I kind of feel like she pissed them off because she pissed off Bree.
0: Yeah, by association. Yeah. So Bree, talking to Bree, <laughs> Bree is taking Danielle from Phyllis, and she has a little chat with Phyllis. Phyllis has lots of photos of Rex and says that age takes a lot of things away. But Bree says that even though Phyllis is lonely, she can't let her take the child. Before Brie leaves, she tells Phyllis that her and Orson go to this club every Saturday and maybe she can do some babysitting, leaving Phyllis
1: happier. Oh, Orson and Brie, your parents. Why? They go to the club every Saturday. <laughs> go to the club every night. <laughs> <laughs> me and Orson go to the club every night.
0: <laughs> Although there was that little shady bit where she's like, I'll tell them that you're low on money. and that You're you broke. It it's like, can't you just tell them something else? What was it?
1: Can't you just tell them that um, you like having me around? It has to be something that they'll buy Phyllis. <laughs> Phyllis is very confident in Danielle's ability to grow, but she's literally willing to give up her baby for a car. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's... there's. A, I don't know where the growth comes from with that attitude. No. But this whole storyline was really about Bree and Phyllis reconciling. Oh, uh, yeah, it was. And it was a quite... It was a nice little reconciliation. Like, Phyllis is annoying, but she's clearly just doing all of this for attention because she's so lonely.
0: Yeah, she's... Yeah, she wants people around i mean she kind of gave off that energy in the last episode where she was like i'm just trying to make you like me why are you doing this and Bree's were like oh it's not like we got along when phyllis when rex was alive yeah
1: because well once rex died she kind of seemed to have lost her contact with her grandchildren it seems yeah and maybe she had a bit of an eye-opener maybe yeah like
0: What? who do i really have now Mm. maybe i shouldn't be such a cold callous wart to brie yeah there you go so it was quite a nice moment i liked it Yeah, it It, was nice. It was sweet. It was sweet. Carlos goes over to Gabby's for a chat, and he tells her that they need to do the right thing and end the affair. He thinks it's wrong and that they're better, and suggests that they break up with Victor and Edie so that they can get together in maybe six months or so. Mm. Gabby doesn't really want to wait that long, but Carlos wants to do the right thing, and eventually Gabby agrees, saying that he really is such a good guy, and she really hates that about him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And they have one last kiss. And unfortunately, an (laughs) improper TV telenovela fashion it's that one last kiss that
1: gets caught by the private investigator in the van right it's literally the smartest thing the two of them could have done is ending it before they get caught but then they got caught anyway so they got caught ending it which spirals
0: a whole the rest of the story oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. that's so typical but there you go
1: carlos had some proper development there guys he did he did and gabby alongside him yeah, she was reluctant, but she does know it's she the right thing She does know it's do. the right thing, so Gabby's slowly
0: starting to learn that... And guys, you've let it go on for way too long anyway. Yeah. Considering that it was the end of the last season when you found out what Victor was like. Mm-hmm. Oh, and what Edie was like. Oh, yeah. The fake pregnancy, the, the, the pills and mm-hmm. shit. Oh, my God. Susan goes over to Lynette, clearly wanting to make up with her, but Lynette is too annoyed with Susan. This is until Sue tells her that friends don't put other friends in such a position where they have to choose between their friend or their husband. Lynette then tells Susan that the treehouse is the only place her kids can go to to get away from the horrible thing that Lynette brought into the house. Talking about the cancer.
1: Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Not Kayla. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Lynette has a history of all of this. And so she knows how cancer can ruin a childhood. I think she's clearly harboring that internally. Yeah. I'm bringing Stella into the situation to really put that in your head. That Mm. whole background was a,
0: a good idea for this. Yeah. Susan tells her it isn't her fault that she's sick, but Lynette says that she knows it in her head, but in her heart, she thinks that she's ruining their childhood. Mm. They have a hug and kind of make up, and Catherine comes over to unexpectedly announce that she's letting Lynette keep the treehouse. When Lynette asks why, she just says that it clearly means a lot to Lynette's family and that she wants to be a good neighbour. So clearly Adam's words had an impact.
1: Yeah, I mean, Catherine has come onto this lane and given all of the women whiplash. With her attitude. Yeah, definitely. But is it too late, Catherine? Mm, I don't think it's too late. Is it too
0: late to start trying to make friends now?
1: I don't know. I think she's she's saved herself at the right time. If she keeps up with this trajectory... Only just the right time right? If she keeps up with this trajectory, she'll be fine. But if she starts continuing with the weird mood swings and stuff, then she'll be screwed. Yeah, and the hitting of Dylan.
0: Oh, yeah. And all that jazz. That's true. We then cut to Edie, who is with the private investigator and has seen the pictures of Gabby and Carlos, and she's not happy. Mm -mm. Confirmation that it was Edie's private investigator. Yes, yeah, it was. As well, not Victor's.
1: Victor has no reason to hire a private investigator right now. That's why it really only made sense that it was Edie. Edie was the one that knew of the, or had, had theories of the affair, and had a reason to try and hunt them down to get confirmation. Victor doesn't have any knowledge. And then, Catherine goes
0: over to Bob and Lees to talk about the fountain, but they say that the fountain isn't going anywhere. Catherine tries to get sassy, but Bob tells her that his ex is on the Chicago hospital board and that everyone working there is still talking about what Adam did. (gasps) Apparently it made quite a stir.
1: She tries to convince them that whatever they heard is just a vicious lie. But Uh, really badly, by the way, as well. That was a really, really terrible attempt at convincing. Yeah. She was like, whatever they said is a vicious lie.
0: (laughs) But Bob says it was obviously bad enough to get them to leave town. Catherine is pretty gagged by this as she's defeated... So she does a walk off, and this
1: is why I say: Is it too late to try and start making friends? Because it sounds like the secret might be might be getting out soon. It might be close to getting out. These gays have come onto the lane and fucked Catherine up. they're, they're like, "You've messed with the wrong bitches, Miss Mayfair." Right, Lynette. You you gave it a good attempt to bring her down a peg, but don't worry, the gays are hit. We're on <laughs> it. We're on it. Looks like you guys need me. I'm on my way. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. But, gays, can you please tell us what the secret is? Right? Come on, from gay to gay. What happened in Chicago? <laughs> please. I mean, we, we know what happened in Chicago, so it's fine, but. Yeah, we do know what happened in Chicago. Yeah.
0: Mary Alice ends the episode saying that we try not to get too close to the people who live next door. She says it's easier to give a polite nod than to ask what's wrong, and we see one of the moldy oldies walking past. <laughs> so this is just <laughs> standing <oldies>. outside crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's just Phyllis She does that all the time <laughs> Just nod and move on He's like maybe if I don't make eye contact She won't talk to me <laughs> I think that was the funniest shot of the whole, the whole episode <laughs> It's safer to carry on walking by Than to get involved And we see someone walk past John Rowland And his fiance as they argue in the doorway
1: Yeah like a delivery dude That looks really uncomfortable
0: <laughs> Right this is messy Arguing
1: on the front step Yeah you oh. at least close the front door Right it was closed they were in front of it Oh, i oh, well, at least go inside. <laughs> right, why are you arguing
0: on the front step?
1: Maybe they can't, maybe they're arguing about what key opens the front door.
0: <laughs> you forgot your key. I told you to bring your key. No, you didn't. Got the
1: keys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she says, we sometimes do get to know the people we share a fence with and end up lifelong friends. And we see Susan and Lynette sharing a moment, having a laugh with the fence in between them, like standing at the fence. That was nice. White mm. picket fence. But mostly we keep our distance because we'd rather our neighbours know nothing about us than know too much. And we end the episode with Catherine collecting her mail as Bob and Lee give her a wave across the road in front of their loud, ugly water thing.
1: Mm. I just don't get how they can sleep with that outside their house when it's waking up season at 6am.
0: Like, I get that you're trying to make a statement, but it's such a bad noise. Yeah. Why do you like it? I don't know. But at this point, it's just the satisfaction to know that it's annoying. (laughs) Yeah, they've they've fucked over Catherine. But in Desperate Housewives fashion, they never did get rid of the fountain. No. (laughs) which was the whole problem here. And that is where the episode ends. So now that that's over, let's move on to our next segment where Joel is going to give us the gayest and the straightest moment of the episode, starting with gayest moment,
1: Joel. So my award for gayest moment goes to Bob and Lee for paying $24,000 for something that hideous. Yeah. If that's not big gay energy bob is
0: big energy paying so much money for everything he buys
1: yeah i mean it's big gay energy to see something ugly and you go that's disgusting i must have it yeah <laughs> like you do that with things and i do that with fashion yeah but he does it with fashion's a very tall word to use but he does it with clothing I articles d- of clothing <laughs> I and do. i do it with with interior design and and just random everyday things where i look at it and i'm like that's disgusting, and I have to have it for my house. <laughs> yeah, we're a horror show to look at, combined. <laughs> We really are. It's like when I bought
0: my dinosaur hoodie, which had, like, oh. so many colours and different coloured dinosaur cartoons on it. Oh my god. <laughs> so, yeah, that is very gay energy.
1: Yeah. And what do you have for the straightest moment? So my award for straightest moment... <laughs>
0: That's still my favourite sting, by the way. Really? That's my favourite
1: sting that we've made. <laughs> It goes to that pervy old man at the pool that was waving at 17-year-old Danielle. <laughs> like, as he's walking past and he does like the little finger wave. No offence, heteros. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pervy old man at the pool <laughs> waving at an underage girl. Uh. So, uh, yeah, congratulations to the pervy old man and to Bob and Lee. Congratulations is a strong word. Yeah, congratulations, moldy oldie. You got some recognition. Mm. <laughs> uh, so those are my awards, and now we move on to B's awards for Best and Worst Parents. So... B, who do you have for the best parent of the episode? My award for... Best parent of the episode. Goes to
0: Lynette for keeping her cancer talk away from the treehouse after the kids said it wasn't allowed. Mm-hmm. No, no doctors and sickness talk allowed in here. We, we voted... What the hell was that? That was like a weird little child. So me, <laughs> so as, a, Kayla. me as a kid. <laughs> you as a kid, yeah. Yeah, and she
1: she respected that boundary. She really did. And... So, bravo, Lynette. Yeah, that was nice. Mm. Okay. Who do you have for your uh, best... No, worst. Who do you have for your worst parent of the episode? My award for? Worst parent of the episode. I gave this
0: to Danielle <laughs> for using her unborn child as a bargaining tool And getting her mum and grandmother to fight against each other to get herself better things.
1: Yes. Selling her baby for a car. Right? She's basically selling her baby for stuff and things in her life, right? Yeah. And an education, which is good. But she's not going to the school for the education, really. Mm. Not a good look, Danielle. No, it's really not. But very Danielle. And I wouldn't change her for the world. (laughs) So, bravo, Danielle and um, Lynette. Bravo is a strong word
0: again. Yeah. Also, bravo for Phyllis with all your Rex photos. Very, very mum energy, that. Oh, her little photos of Rex, yeah. Very mum energy. Mm. <laughs> so that was season four, episode five, Art Ain't Easy. Art Isn't Easy. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. So Joel, if everyone wants to find us on the social medias, if they have any comments, queries, questions, theories, or they just want to chat, where
1: can they find us? You can find us on Instagram at Boyfriends Review, and you can find us on Twitter at BFS Review.
0: You've got that down cold.
1: Yeah. You can also email
0: us. Our email is boyfriendsreview at outlook.com. And our artwork is done by our friend Louis. He's currently on Instagram and all of the places at Design. There's also a link to his Etsy page and he does do commissions. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for listening. Join us next week. We'll be back in your ear holes with our next episode, which is season four, episode six. Now I know. Don't be scared. That sounds like two episode titles. <laughs> I know. I wasn't really sure how to pronounce it. Yeah. Now I know. Don't be
1: scared. Oh, no, I think it's, now I know. Don't be scared. Now I know. Don't be scared. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> when someone says to you, don't be scared, and then you go, oh, now I know. Don't be scared. <laughs> when, when does that happen? I don't know.
0: <laughs> it's probably happened to someone in the world at some point. <laughs> well, I'm doing the trivia next week, so I'll find out. Yeah. And we'll see you then, guys. All right. goodbye, guys. Bye.